This is Gross Anatomy, where pop culture meets health culture. Let's get to it. did that i did i clapped like that today because because today's office day and i have mariana with me and i did and i i always movie reference so i said i think you will know so i said what is that what movie a clap just a a regular clap what is that it's a recent movie i think we've even talked about it not not on the podcast but i i feel like we we share something about you know a like about that movie so i feel like so it must be a chef movie chef is it the chef no not the chef no it's a cooking movie where they clap oh come on come on i don't know i'm with mariano on this one maybe you didn't see it it's kind of a spooky oh this the thriller when they go to the restaurant that is it scary yeah did you Uh, not see it um, what's it called? No, I didn't see it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and Ray Fiennes, The Menu. The Menu, yeah. I didn't actually watch it. Uh-huh. I wanted to see it, but I kind of got freaked out. Yeah, it's kind of creepy, but it's not scary. I don't like scaries, so it's not really scary. It's it's kind of like weirdish, you know, Black Mirror. Like psychological. Yeah, and it's and it kind of is almost really good, but misses it. But okay, but this. Is, is from the movie. So. Yeah, I remember even in the trailer, I think they were all like very in tune. Right. Um, so the clapping makes sense. Yeah, that kind of meant it's time to jump to attention. That, that's what it means, to get to work. Well, that's a perfect jumping off point to today's episode. Because today we're kind of doing a wrap up on this past year. Has nothing to do with the menu. I was just trying to segue and uh, we're taking a look back at the evolution of the pod and uh, Dr. Cohen's history and how you became the thyroid guy and what you're looking forward to in the new year. Ooh, welcome to Gross Anatomy then. Welcome to Gross Anatomy then. There we go. Yeah. Today we're getting to know Dr. Cohen. I don't think we've ever done one like this. No, I don't, I don't necessarily think we have. And today and I'm, like, I'm calling you Dr. Cohen. Wow, you're calling me Dr. Cohen. And <laughs> There's I'm... no no Jason in there because you're our guest today and our host. Oh, nice. Today I'm the guest, Dr. Cohen. I like that. Very interesting. Exactly. Well, it's nice to be here. I'm, we're glad to have you. I want to hear a bit about, um, I know a little bit of your history just from, you know, being in your home and hearing about your love of art and all your other interests and entertainment and um, movies in particular, but what got you specifically into the medical field and brought us this pod? So, okay, here we go. So it was a few things that got me into medicine. I I think kind of like four things. One was I actually liked going to the pediatrician. Uh, I thought it was pretty amazing how you would feel yucky and you would then go to the pediatrician. He would put the scope in your nose and the scope in your mouth and the scope in your ear. And I kind of liked the way the scope in the ear felt. It it (laughs) kind of felt interesting. And I just thought it was kind of cool. But I'm old, so our pediatrician actually made house calls. And so we would come to the house. When we were sick, we got to lay in our parents' bed. So we'd come to our parents' bedroom. You'd be laying in your parents' bed. And he would figure it out and give you medicine, and you would get better. So I thought that was really cool. So that was one thing. The other thing was is I was always kind of like a math and science geek, and I liked the body, and I liked, you know, now that I'm a weird L.A. guy, it's hard for me to say, but I like cutting up. Uh, things you know I like doing the dissections you know whether it was the earthworm or the frog now now I now that I've become a weird animal guy I don't know how much I like that and I I really like doing that stuff and I thought it was cool and I thought science was cool and then being a big tv movie fan guy there were two tv shows as a kid that I really liked and I recently talked about it to just random people um the two tv shows were one a show called Quincy which you're way too young to have any idea what it was, but it was Jack Klugman who was famous for The Odd Couple. Jack Klugman played this coroner, this medical examiner, who kind of like House, but everybody was dead. 
he would solve the case of the week. Why did this person die? Were they killed? Were they poisoned? Were they? Mm -hmm. Thus, he was this amazing coroner. So I actually thought I wanted to be a pathologist, believe it or not, as a kid. Um, So that was one medical show, and I really liked that show, and I watched it with my mom. And then the other medical show that I really liked was St. Elsewhere, that also you're too young to have any idea of. That sounds familiar. Maybe. It was like the first... Um, you know, it predated Grey's Anatomy and ER and all that. And so it was kind of like in that genre kind of thing. But it was like a falling apart hospital on the verge, always of bankruptcy with these really caring doctors um, who just cared for their patients. And they were interns and residents. And interesting, um, Howie Mandel, who's a host of a talk show, was one of the doctors. And Ed Begley Jr. was one of the doctors. And Denzel Washington was one of the doctors. And interestingly, just segueing, years later when I was here in L.A., I just randomly had a chance to meet Denzel because a friend of mine knows Denzel. And I got to meet Denzel and I shared with him how because of him, I, you know, one of the reasons is I I became a doctor. And he kind of I still remember he just gave me this dumb blank stare like Like, no way he didn't care. Or maybe he was just being polite. I don't know. But but I totally geeked out on Denzel when I that might be overwhelming first, you know, I'm sure he gets stuff like that a lot. And that might be kind of maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was probably like you and everybody else. So, <laughs> um, but but it was cool. It was, it was so so those three reasons, and then lastly, my dad, who grew up super dirt poor, who worked his way up, you know, and became a lawyer, but really was super dirt poor, always kind of said to me. Jason, you know, you have to work hard in school and either become a doctor or a lawyer, but I think you should be a doctor. So, because he was a lawyer. So, those things, and and that's kind of how I became a doctor. I love that little summary of a quick summary of your childhood interests. Um, What piqued my interest there was I forget that there probably aren't a lot of vegan surgeons or at least plant based surgeons because it's people who aren't really grossed out by. I mean, meat for lack of a better word, but also the death of it all and the um, kind of the gruesome parts of meat that gross out most vegans doesn't maybe necessarily gross you out as much as it's more of like an ethical or health decision. So that's probably kind of rare. What yeah. What do you think? It, it doesn't gross me out at all. And, and a funny story, I remember when I did Gross Anatomy, getting back to Gross Anatomy, the podcast, the very first thing you study in medical school is Gross Anatomy. That's the first really mm-hmm. experience as a doctor. And, and I came from only doing the bare minimum prerequisites to get into medical school. I, I didn't do a ton of science. I, I was an art major, as you know. So, so then here I am, doing gross anatomy, the first class, first day of med school, and you get assigned your cadaver and you and three other students for the whole half a year are basically dissecting this cadaver, learning everything there is to know about the human body. And that's that's kind of the intro to medical school. But I remember that first day of gross anatomy being super nervous. My hand was shaking Mm. and I was the first one to take the scalpel to start cutting. I was so nervous just cutting into a cadaver because it was just this weird, strange situation. But it was a four hour lab. And by the end of the lab, you're like totally in there. You forget what you're doing. There's no more nerves. But that night I got home and I was a big carnivore. And I remember making myself a steak in a frying pan. And I went to my mom's house, I think, to her apartment. And I remember for whatever reason, the dining table was under repair. So there was no dining table. So I sat on the floor and ate, I sat on the floor and ate the steak, this like bloody steak. Uh, and I remember being, feeling so animalistic. Carniv- yeah. Animalistic, carnivorous, um, eating a steak. And, and I still remember that, that night eating the steak on the floor. That's so funny. That's an early core memory for you and then how come thyroid how how did we get to the thyroid so the thyroid um wasn't until i i already knew well as a medical student you rotated at one of our hospitals you rotated on one of the surgery services at one of our affiliates in Brooklyn uh, at Long Island College Hospital that's no longer there anymore it was in Brooklyn Heights but the head of surgery there was this tough old-fashioned surgeon that you were kind of he was nice but 
a little scary and you were kind of a, and just because he was like set in, he wasn't like a bad guy, but, but he was tough, you know? And so he was a little scary, but his thing was thyroid and parathyroid and he was mm. meticulous and he was amazing. And, and he, he knew how to do it and it was amazing. Um, and that kind of first got me thinking about thyroid and, and neck surgery and parathyroid surgery. And that was kind of my first intro to it, just because it was such cool surgery. He was such a commanding presence. He did it so well. He took amazing care of his patients. And, and something about that kind of triggered my interest. But then it's really an elegant surgery in the neck. There are all these major arteries, veins, nerves that you really don't want to injure um, because if you injure it, bad things could happen. So it's really meticulous, fine surgery, cool anatomy, uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and usually, almost always, you have pretty good outcomes. So it's a pretty cool, and the endocrine glands are kind of cool also, which is, you know, hormonal secreting glands and hormonal secreting organs. It's kind of cool. So all of those things kind of got me interested in thyroid and then parathyroid too. And you mentioned um, gross anatomy as a lab or a class. Tell us if we're not medical professionals, what is gross anatomy? So gross anatomy is, you know, you have you have diff different parts of anatomy that you learn. So the gross anatomy is the, it's not that it's gross and yucky, it's that it's the the big, not the microscopic. All encompassing, anatomy. yeah, gross and, and the literal. it's not the microscopic, because there's also microscopic anatomy, you know, mm. where you you look at the cells and you do the slides. And so the gross anatomy is just looking at the human body, you know, cutting it open and looking at the nerves and the arteries and the veins and the muscles and the organs and the insertions of the muscles. And, and that's what gross anatomy is. It's, it's mm. kind of gross the in the term of like, you'd say like gross income, like all sort of this, right. like all encompassing. Exactly. The big picture anatomy. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I never knew that was a class or a it's the course very you take medical school gross anatomy and then the other thing about gross anatomy was when i was a kid there was a movie and i think we talked about it a little bit called gross anatomy that came out with matt modine who was a heartthrob back then to you matt modine might be if you watch stranger things mm -hmm. he was papa you know the oh the, yeah that's okay. matt modine. yeah so that's who my kids know him as that guy but but back in the day he was like a heartthrob so he was he was the you know young hotshot medical student who was or was he an intern I, I don't remember and it was a pretty good movie about you know trying to become a doctor and all that and it was actually called gross anatomy and and uh i i remember you sorry you did mention i remember you mentioning that movie yeah i think because i didn't know i'd never heard the word gross anatomy before your podcast and i'm sure there's other people wow and as well and then so the textbooks for that you would study were gross anatomy textbooks. So it was mm. a you'd buy your gross anatomy and it was an atlas. It was an it was an anatomical atlas, and you're just opening up cadavers. And then there was a famous artist who was a doctor, a guy named Frank Netter, who did these amazing illustrations. And that was another gross anatomy textbook. So we had different gross anatomy textbooks that we would use as medical students and residents that you would go back and reference. And and one was a, a dissected pictures, photos of dissections. One was not such amazing illustrations. And then there was this guy, Frank Netter, who is this amazing doctor artist who he, he was kind of like the uh, amazing gross anatomy textbook. And then there was there was Gray's Anatomy, I think. I was okay. So I was going to say when I googled Gross Anatomy for the first time, first it came up with some textbooks, so I figured there must be a course or something. Yeah. But then also Gray's Anatomy comes up as a textbook too. So I'm not sure what the history of that is. Is Gray a person or is that a type of medicine? Yeah, Gray was a person, and Gray's Anatomy. I'm so jealous you're drinking tea. There's honey and all you're over it. And you're licking the side. What is that? I honey? spilled honey everywhere uh, because it's in a jar and I tried to do the poor thing. So we're messy here. But um, yeah, Gray's Anatomy was actually the first gross anatomy textbook by a, a Dr. Gray. And that was kind of the standard. That's what everybody used was Gray's Anatomy textbook. And I think that was why the TV show Grey's Anatomy was kind of this pun and play on on Grey's Anatomy. Her name was Grey and Dr. And, Grey, like right. she's related to the Dr. Grey, maybe. Right. 
And, and I don't think she's related to the Grey's Anatomy textbook, but I think it definitely played off on the Grey's Anatomy. But it Anatomy. made like a lewd. I don't know. They kind of made yeah. her that her family was a medical family. I remember her mom in it. Exactly. Was, yeah. And, and then everyone had the Grey's Anatomy textbook. That makes sense. So then every, at least they had when they started the show, they knew every medical professional will have their interest peaked. And lay people like you, you know, who yeah. looked, we found Grey's Anatomy. Exactly. Uh, what should we be paying attention to for the thyroid? I later, when I say later in life, in my 20s, I learned that um, it's so related to like, hormonal health and endocrine system, but I never knew that before and hadn't really heard of it before that other than, and I only heard of that because my mom has thyroid issues, but I bet most people wouldn't really know what it does. What should we be looking at? What does it do for us? And And don't take this the wrong way, but don't look out for anything is kind of, you, you know, it's like, don't go looking for stuff. It is kind of okay. how I feel in general about medicine, you know, <laughs> because if you go looking for stuff, you're going to find stuff and who knows if it's real or fake, because especially with the thyroid, the thyroid. Yeah. You definitely, some people definitely have abnormalities of thyroid and problems with the thyroid. The thyroid basically regulates us. It's our energy level. Mm -hmm. So when you're overactive thyroid, you're hyper, you're sweating, your heart's racing. When mm -hmm. you're underactive thyroid, you're tired all the time, no matter how much you work out, you can't mm -hmm. lose like weight. Lethargic, yeah. You're, right. And, and um, there's actually a, a syndrome of someone People occasionally are either born without a thyroid or lose their thyroid who don't take thyroid hormone medicine. It's a rare entity, and that's called, it's a known word. You ever hear someone call someone a cretin? Right? Have you ever, it's dated. I've heard that word, but I didn't know you could be born Cretans without like a, a thyroid. Sluggish, you know, slow, sluggish person underdeveloped and that's what a cretin is is someone who's hypo or low in their thyroid who's tired sluggish mm. weight uh heart rate's really low all of those things that's but wild. the problem with thyroid is that there are 80 zillion reasons why someone could feel like they're overactive or underactive or mm -hmm. hyper or tired or losing their hair, you know, because it also has to do with hair. There are 80 zillion other reasons. One of them just happens to be the joys of getting older. Yeah. Yeah. But so, do you, because you're so in the know, or I guess it seems like it affects women a lot. I've only heard about it from a lot of women, but I would say, I was going to ask if you do anything to sort of regulate or protect your thyroid. Do you see anyone who does? Is there anything you could do even? Just a healthy lifestyle, probably, I'd assume. Yeah, I think it's more about healthy lifestyle, everything in moderation. Um, you know, taking a multivitamin is fine. I, you know, you'll read a lot of different things that you can do and hacks and this and that. But I, I think the reality is, is other than, you know, doing everything the way everybody says you're supposed to, you know, get enough sleep, get enough exercise, eat properly, balanced diet. I think other than that, everything else is kind of, I don't, I don't know, a, a fad to some degree, at least at this point. Mm. I mean, there may be certain things. Um, what about, but, I'm, I keep seeing for the past few years, for anyone who's anxious or kind of over hyper taking magnesium, because especially for women, if you have stress hormones, I mean, I think magnesium anyway kind of calms you down, but I, I right. heard in long-term use, it can kind of help your hormones as well. Yeah, and it's important to have all your everything kind of normal levels of everything. And magnesium, yeah, it can help with sleep. It can help um, calm you down. It could also help you poop. It yeah. can definitely help you do that, especially if you take the wrong type. That's a PSA. Exactly. So milk of magnesia <laughs> is magnesium and, and could help you poop. But, you know, specifically targeting the thyroid, I'm not really sure how, how good the data is. I mean, if your magnesium levels are low, then mm. yes, you need to take magnesium. But if you're in the normal range with everything, then I'm not sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I heard some, who knows with these, don't fact check me, you guys. I heard something like 50% of Americans are low on magnesium. So that like a lot of people should, especially if you're like having trouble sleeping, those things. It's it something to look at. It's definitely possible. I think more people are low on vitamin D, you know, if we're going to talk, yeah. about, I think vitamin D deficiency is very, very common, especially based on the the normal levels that we claim you should have. And and that's, you know, you don't necessarily get it by hanging out in the sun. So sometimes mm. I think taking a vitamin D supplement is good. Could be helpful. For, for overall health a little bit. And Whether energy. affect your thyroid or whatnot, I, I don't know, but it, it might help your parathyroid, which those four guys live next to the thyroid and they control our calcium levels in our body, which is important for bones. 
I, I didn't know the difference. I don't know the difference between the parathyroid and the thyroid. You need to hang out with me in the office for a I day. I know. I need to shadow you. That Mariano, who spends day, the, our office days with me, it's funny. He actually, I, I almost feel like he could go through the whole spiel with the patients. And sometimes when we have our students, I'll actually, and I'll be asking students stuff, I'll say, Mariano, tell them. And and he knows, he knows all the answers. In fact, we did it today. I was saying, you know, how big is the normal parathyroid gland? I asked our student, I'm like, can you guess? And, you know, the student actually gave a decent guess, but then Mariano comes in and goes, apple seed or lentil, you know, and, and <laughs> he knows. That's great. awesome. And then when someone comes to see you, I guess they probably come to see you when it's more serious. But if someone were initially to notice their thyroid is off, it's those things, those early signs of energy, hair loss, weight gain, those things or loss. So people don't come to me for, uh, people sometimes come to me for that. But mm -hmm. the surgical endocrine guy. I'm they not come later. Yeah. So, so they'll see, so if they do come to me, I'll often send them to a medical endocrinologist, mm. uh, someone who takes care of the medicine side of all the glands and diabetes and which deals, which is the pancreas. So, uh, so I'll work often together with a medical endocrinologist. So there are a bunch who refer to me and I refer back to them. So people come to me when they need some type of surgery or when there's a consideration for surgery of the thyroid. Mm. And typically in terms of activity of the thyroid, we don't ever remove a thyroid for underactive thyroid. That usually you just get a medicine. Mm -hmm. We'll remove a thyroid occasionally for an overactive thyroid if the medical treatment options aren't reasonable in that patient. Then the, then it may be okay to do surgery for it. But it's it's often not first line unless there are certain indications. People come to me for surgery if there's the consideration or the risk of cancer mm -hmm. or goiter, which just means a big, which is a fancy word for a big thyroid. And sometimes you see these people walking around with big necks, you know, and mm. big boulders in their necks. And just because you have that doesn't automatically mean you need surgery. You need surgery if it's causing symptoms or if it's you're worried about maybe it's squeezing your windpipe, your trachea. And what are the symptoms of a big thyroid? Sometimes I'm having trouble swallowing. I'm, I feel trouble breathing. I can't mm. breathe. Out. I feel pressure. It's uncomfortable. I hate the way it looks. I hate the way it feels. People are always saying, hey, what's up with your neck? Those are all good enough reasons to say, okay, we should consider surgery. That's interesting. Yeah, I didn't know if you only did surgery for tumors or any, I didn't know people removing their thyroids. I didn't know people were born without their thyroids. This is all news to me. And there you go. And there we go. We're learning today <laughs> on gross anatomy. Shocker. Yeah. Uh, are there things that, I mean, this is hard because I feel like a doctor, you could say there's a lot of things we should avoid, but are there things we should be avoiding to protect our thyroid health? Yes. Don't ride motorcycles. <gasps> yeah, that's a good one. In general. In general. Yeah, in general. That protects your thyroid health and your <laughs> health. Um, that's a good answer. Yeah. Or maybe you can, but in, in the, in not in the city. Don't, I don't know. But I don't I'm know. with you on that. I'm with totally. you on that. Again, it's it's really just about you know a general sense of wellness and, and stuff like that. I, I I don't know if there's anything preventatively any any at this point in time. I don't think there's any really thing you can do to pre protect your thyroid. I, I mean, you could re you could definitely find stuff and read stuff, but whether mm -hmm. it really is a proven thing, uh, I, it's I'm not a, sure. no medical facts there. Just more like. No medical facts, but and likely the things that you're going to read to do, most of them are probably harmless. So if it makes you feel good, do it. Um, but if it seems weird or wacky, check with your doctor is, is kind of mm -hmm. my question on that. Maybe even better than harmless, probably good for your overall health, but who's to say yeah. it's directly connected? So that makes sense. Probably just taking care of yourself in general. Are most of your patients female? No, but it, uh, it's probably about two thirds, or, or or yeah, maybe sixty forty. Yeah, so sixty percent women, forty percent male, uh, and there just is is more of a of a tendency. It's more common for women to have thyroid problems, or and or potentially even thyroid cancer. It's more common. Hmm. Why we don't totally know, but I think it, it probably has a lot to do with just the hormonal system, the endocrine system. Women have a monthly period where their hormones are changing every month and i think it there's feedback and and relationship to the thyroid too and pregnancy and all of that just because 
the whole hormone glandular system, I think, all kind of works together a little bit. So this changes every month going on more so in a woman than in a man. Mm-hmm. I think it will also affect the thyroid too. And and whether or not there's true studies on that or not, I, I'm not totally sure. But I, I think that's that's the thinking. And maybe, I mean, at least for the people my age, I feel like women are a lot more in touch with physically how they're feeling and their health and checking on their health. So that might be part of it too, that they're actively coming in and getting those things looked at. I wonder if that weighs in. Yeah, it could be a factor for sure. It definitely might be. And then what brought you, so you have this very successful, in my objective opinion, medical career. What brought you to Gross Anatomy Pod and piqued your interest in sharing your love of this intersection of entertainment and health knowledge and medical knowledge. So my path, you know, is fairly straight into being a doctor, but I, but in college, I was an art major, you know, so, so I, I went into college thinking I'm just going to be a straightforward pre-med guy and get a major in bio. And, but I always kind of was an artsy craftsy guy. My mother really was into the arts and encouraged the arts. And so in college, I wound up for, you know, I became an art major. That's a whole long story. We could tell it another time, but but I became a painting and drawing. That's what I did in college. And I basically had a theater minor too, which is wacky. So on a whim, I wound up auditioning for, I took an acting class in college and then auditioned for a play and got cast as a extra in this amazing musical, you know, piece that, that lasted the entire year. We, we kind of, and it was me and mostly graduate students and upper levels. And I was a sophomore and we kind of workshopped this musical Commedia dell'arte piece first semester. And then second semester, we performed it. And it was just, and, and then I did a few other shows and took a few other classes. And then I've always loved movies and, and TV and theater. I mean, one of my fondest memories of my grandfather taking me, my mom's dad taking me and my family as a young kid to Fiddler on the Roof in New York City and seeing this other play called The Fantastics in New York City, which is a really fun... Have you heard of it? Yeah, that sounds so familiar. Yeah, it's a really fun musical, and my mom just loved the art. So, so, and, and then West Side Story, I remember watching as a kid in my grandparents' house. I think we talked about it on one of our Storytime Sundays on our Instagram. I, we used to go to my grandparents' house and as kids, and we'd hang out with their apartment, we'd hang out with them, and then at a certain point, we'd get bored. My mom would still hang out with the grandparents, and we'd go into our grandparents' bedroom and turn on the TV, which back in those days had, you know, 11 channels, and you had to get up and turn the knob. And I remember just being there one day, and West Side Story was on. It was black and white. And I just fell in love with the movies and storytelling. And and I just fell in love with it. And, I, and, and that love never left. And And like a lot of people, when I moved out here to do my fellowship in cancer surgery at Cedars, in the back of my mind, I knew that, hey, L.A. is that place where mm. you know, stuff happens, you know. Magic happens, yeah. yeah. It clearly wasn't the reason why I came out here, but it was always there in the back of my mind. And and then, oddly enough, Mark Feuerstein, who's a friend now, who's been a guest twice on the podcast, I think, who we should have again, who uh, was a star of a TV show called Royal Pains about concierge medicine. Mm-hmm. He's been in a whole lot of movies. If you look, I think he's even been on Friends. And, and you know, if you look up Mark Feuerstein, he, you know, he's, he's, he's an amazing actor, an amazing guy. So early on in my career at the hospital, um, more than 20 years ago, or maybe around 20 years ago, a friend of mine who was a doctor said, hey, Jace, uh, there's this guy. Our kids go to the same school. He's a known TV guy. He's writing the show. They're filming the show. It's a medical show. And it'd be cool if the actors could come and them come and kind of talk to you and talk to you about because it's a surgery based show. It was about neurosurgeons, brain surgeons called three pounds. I think it died after the pilot, but um, he was like, it'd be great if they could come and talk to you and da, da, da. So we set up for them to come and meet with me and, and my friend Pete and the doctor was Mark for the, the actor was Mark Feuerstein, who was playing one of the main characters in this TV show. And we clicked, we, we totally bonded and we become friend. We've stayed as friends ever since we, we bonded over our New York Jewishness a little bit. And we knew I love people, it. Stuff in common, but that experience ignited this 
hey, maybe I could do some kind of consulting as a doctor on TV shows or something like that. And then another story that I don't think you know, out of the blue, early on in my career, I get called or emailed by these producers. It was the same people who produced Survivor. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to do a medical TV show. And somehow they got my name, and I was young then, and they wanted me to come out, and I had to sign you know, a contract the size of a, of a phone book, which nobody knows what a phone book is anymore, but a phone book. We know, we know. Thing, you know, with addresses in it. And I actually wound up, there were multiple rounds of, I basically auditioned to be a doctor on a reality show. And there were multiple rounds of this thing. And, and, and I made it to the final thing. And then the two guys who got cast were these two kick-ass, amazing heart surgeons that there's no way. I was just barely out of my fellowship. These guys were rock stars, but I didn't get cast in the show. Of course, the show didn't make it. I think it didn't make it because they didn't cast me, obviously. Of course, yeah. Again, it was this weird, without me looking for it, it was this weird taste of of the intersection of medicine Mm. and pop culture. So flash forward to pre-pandemic, when podcasts just started to be a thing, and I, I think even you may have been one of the early people to kind of say, not deliberately, but maybe I met you early on and I and I feel like maybe you and, and obviously all of Liotz, who's 27 now, all of her friends and just random people would always ask me medical stuff. Oh, I saw this in a movie. I read this in a book or, or I saw this or I heard of this. Is it true? Does it really happen? So that was one thing. And then the other thing is, any time between those other two TV experiences that I had, and then I'd watch a movie and I'd see an x-ray up of a, you know, a, it, it was a movie and there was some medical thing and the x-ray would be backwards. Or just like we had our last podcast guest, Ambar, was talking about CPR and it would look pathetic and terrible. And I said, you know what? It'd be cool to start a podcast to discuss where Movies, TV, pop culture, books, the world around us intersects with mm-hmm. medicine. And mm-hmm. part of it, a little bit, I'll be quite honest, I'm, I'm tipping my hat, would be almost like a calling card to see if I could become a consultant on TV shows and movies for medicine stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing was I just thought it would be a fun thing to do because I love movies, TV, books so much. And I love kind of talking about, as you see, you know, a reference into some movie or some show that has to do with, and that's it. And that's the birth of Gross Anatomy. That's the birth. I I wonder if you ever just reached out to Mel and asked her to put you in her roster, connect you with people. You know, it's funny I have, and and I always get the same kind of thing. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, maybe. And I don't know, maybe maybe I need to be more persistent. Like aggressive with, yeah, like sales. Whenever I've gotten a job, I'm I'm following up multiple times. Like, hey, I sent my resume last week. What'd you think? Hey, I'd love to meet for coffee next week over and over until maybe you sit down together. Or maybe we just need the right person to listen to Gross Anatomy and there you go. Well, I hope it's that easy. I hope that's yeah. the way it happens. But I or also look, think... Or look at put, our Instagram. Yeah. yeah, but I also think if... I think if you put yourself out on a limb there and just like we're aggressive, you have such an interest and you, I mean, there's all these nurses who are doing it. Of course, a surgeon, they'd be so lucky to have you. So I'm just saying you'd be wonderful at it. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I've even, you know, there were a couple of ER docs at the hospital who had consulted for different TV shows. And even in the past, I've, I've been called into writer's rooms to kind of discuss stuff and ideas and for them to bounce things off of me i've, I've had that experience once mm-hmm. and i i keep thinking something's gonna come from come here. of that yeah you need to like have your own from there like a site and a list of shows and things you've consulted on that yeah i feel like it's a lot it's in it's such a niche you have to like dig your heels into it i think right. i'm and sure I, i've had a lot of tastes but or nibbles with with it you know many um so i figured i'd just do it myself and do gross anatomy yeah, I love it because then people can come here who are interested in both of those things. And I have a fun story. You know, every now and then I think to myself, where am I going with gross anatomy? What are we doing with gross anatomy? We've been doing it for five years or so. And and I get kind of in a rut sometimes or bored sometimes. And just, I don't remember, I think it was yesterday. Yesterday, I was walking in the hospital and some guy, young guy, randomly comes up to me and goes, 
hey, Gross Anatomy. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I just want you to know, I really, I really like what you're doing with Gross Anatomy. I'm like, thank you. Oh, I love that. And and I call him back. I'm like, you know, who, you know, what's your story? And and this person was at the hospital, not working at the hospital. He was at the hospital because a family member was at the hospital and he was visiting the family member. Mm. He's like, but I'm in medical school. I go to medical school and my medical medical school classmates and I sit around and listen to gross anatomy. And he's like, and it's great. And we love what you're doing and it's inspiration. And this was just yesterday. And wow. every now and then I kind of get fed up and I'm like, where are we going? Should we keep doing this? And yesterday, some sign says, you know, hey, hey gross. So I, every now and then that happens and kind of reawakens the passion that more than one person is listening, I guess. I love that. Do you have a favorite episode of gross anatomy? Uh, or a few, or like ones that were memorable for you. I have a few different favorites. I, I definitely love when we have certain guests on who either I'm excited to get as a guest, um, when a friend comes on as a guest who has a really interesting story. I I also like this. I I have a feeling is going to be one of my favorite episodes because I like I like when we recap stuff. I I like the recapping. I like talking about. Um, when Lauren was the host, occasionally we would do, you know, top five, like on Halloween, we do like top five or top 10 Halloween medically kind of movies, or mm-hmm. I think that kind of stuff was fun. But then certainly we've had some amazing guests from my friend, Andy Lastner, who was the producer of the Ellen show, who's now the producer of the Jennifer Hudson show. Uh, that was a great episode. And, and then we had my friend, Alan Brown, who's who's an amazing man himself. He's a, he's a, he's in a wheelchair. He's been in a wheelchair since he was in his twenties. Uh, but he's also a major advocate for people with disabilities and he helps run the Christopher Reeves foundation to cure paralysis. So he's just an inspiration. So having him on uh, an episode was great, but then having Mark Feuerstein, who we just talked about and, and, and kind of just riffing and talking about stuff and was great too. And then another friend, Brett Ratner, who's an actor, who's a producer, director, um, having him on as an episode was pretty exciting to just to just to hear. It's kind of fun sometimes to hear people tell about their health journeys and and and, you know, where they are in life and and things like that. And then one other episode I really enjoyed was uh, when when it's a dated book, so you wouldn't know, but there's a book called House of God that anyone who's maybe 10 years younger than I am or older who became a doctor, nurse, whatever, has definitely heard about that book. Cause that was, it's a fiction book called house of God about back in the in Harvard uh, place, fictionalized heart version of Harvard about kind of like the same thing with Gray's anatomy and all the things residents kind of coming up. And it was kind of like the, the orig- the OG and it was written by this guy, Sam Shem, house of God. And it was definitely politically incorrect these days. If you read it, there's a lot of, off humor and stuff like that but it was kind of the bible for everybody and and to this day a lot of doctors still quote things from that book that have kind mm. of gospel and the guy wrote a, a a follow-up book and we had him on early on in the pandemic remotely as a guest and that was just an amazing get to be able to talk to him mm-hmm. i bet it sounds like he's such a important person in most people's medical careers. That's so interesting to actually get to ask him questions in real life. I remember listening to one over the pandemic uh, where you talked about vaping and I thought it was so interesting because I, I don't know. It was just, we were at this weird age where when vaping got cool, we were in college and it was all of a sudden it was like every frat, everyone had a vape one day and it was like, Oh, it's fine. They're not cigarettes. They're fine. They're, like you can have them. So then I had a vape for a little, and then definitely didn't feel good. And I remember you sharing. I had thrown it away. Like one day I just woke up and threw it away because I woke up and was like, "This is gross." Yeah. Which is not to judge anyone who has one. I just felt I felt gross. Yeah. One morning when I woke up after using it all night, yeah. and then you shared some information on oh, it's important to know before someone goes in for surgery if they smoke if they vape because it affects their uh affects them this way and I was like oh yeah I, it was just a learning moment but I was like right that's still not good for you <laughs> you know like that doesn't mean it's fine yeah. um and I knew it wasn't good for me like I'm sure intuitively because how could it be but 
Um, I always like the ones where I'm learning something, uh, especially about some things that are kind of current. So you don't know yet. Like I feel like vapes, nobody was looking at them for the first like a year that everyone had one. It was just kind of around. Right. And then everyone was like, wait a second, all these teenagers are in the hospital or having asthma or whatever, you know, these yeah. weird issues uh, with anxiety. And yeah, there's nicotine in there. And these 16 year like it was just kind yeah. of a weird oversight in, in a cultural moment where everybody just kind of looked the other way. So I always think it's interesting to look at those kinds of health trends. Look, when we talked about Ozempic, I was like, this is one of those cultural moments we're all going to look back on. I think, Definitely. and will have been interesting to have chatted about and learned about. I'd be curious to go back. You know, we we were up and running during COVID, and mm-hmm. and we were we went from being in person to then being remote. And I, I guess maybe at some point in time, it might be interesting to go back and listen to how we talked about COVID in the Addressed. early. Yeah. yeah. How did you address COVID? I know I may have listened to some of those. I feel like I remember people having questions for you a lot of questions for all of their doctors and you guys kind of all just doing the best you could with answering like medically, but also, yeah, we don't know how long this is going to be around and just do your best to stay safe, wash your hands and right. Not infect other people. It was just such a bizarre time to be. And I bet, especially on your end. And I was thinking about Ambar as a nurse, just she's talking about goggles and masks and all the things she was wearing, you know? What I find amazing is just thinking back is we started, you know, now everybody and their sister has a podcast, but, but we, you know, while we're not the OG, we, we've kind of been doing this for a long time, you know, in in terms of podcasts. And I, I, I'm just amazed that we're still doing it to some degree. And, and, and it's because of what happened the other day with the guy bumping into me that I'm, that I think we are still doing it because, you know, some, some people are enjoying it and, and getting something out of it. And I think, and, and, and I certainly have fun. Do you have a favorite episode that you and I did together? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the one, oh, what is his name? The one who, um, is a producer on uh, Dr. Pimple Popper. Casey Brummels. Casey Brummels. I was kind of pleasantly surprised because I, I mean, sometimes I think I'm more on trend with like, or not on trend, on like trying to be within our niche as a podcast and what it is that we focus on, which is like, yeah, a lot of our listeners are listening to us because you're a medical professional and you know, they're med students or they follow you as a doctor and they want to hear about that. And I think for the most part, that is true. Like your quirky, funny take and professional knowledge together are what people like. But so I was like, oh, you know, he's a producer. He's going to be so interesting, but I wasn't sure, you know, how much sense it would make. But then there was immediately like he was so such a cool person. Yeah. Um, And his life experience was so cool and uh, he'd worked on, you know, a medical show and hopefully we'll be working on more medical shows. I know he was in the middle of the strike uh, when we spoke to him, but that was definitely one of my favorites. He just was really personable and grounded and cool. He was a really interesting person just to have interacted with. And I, I thrive a lot on, you know, interactions like that and communication. I did. I, I I did like that episode too a lot. I also like the episode we did with Alice. Um, yes. Yeah. Alice um, chocolates. Yeah. I yeah. I saw them at Airwan the other day, and I thought about that. They are selling them at Airwan. So if you want to oh, go I, get your Alice chocolates, I have to try get them. Um, yeah. yeah. I know. I was thinking. I didn't know how regularly. I think it sounds like it's kind of a cumulative effect. So I was like, do I want to start this habit? You know. Right. I I take a lot of. <laughs> Yeah, as you can tell, because I was at Air One, I take a lot of things. So I'm like, do I want to commit to like another thing? But I think I probably should because it sounds like they're very relaxing and the tasty treat. And there you go. Uh, I, what was my other question for you? Oh, as we're just chatting about carrying on with the pod and that it's been years now, we do want to hear from listeners especially those who have something that they want us to talk about or have an interest. If you're in med school and you have heard this like weird case or you 
heard of this like crazy story, we'd love to research it and unpack it. You can DM us at Gross Anatomy Podcast on Insta, or you can email us at grossanatomypodcast at gmail.com with any topic ideas, guests you want to be on. If you want to be on and you think you should be a guest, we want to hear from you. Uh, I'm always interested, especially because I'm newer here, just to meet you guys and hear what you're interested in hearing. So please write in. We'd love to hear from you. That's great. And uh, I'm I'm texting me and Mariana right now to remember to, we'll actually Insta that. So that's a great idea. We'll, we'll, yeah. actually, we'll actually do an Insta post. Uh, I think that's a great idea to kind of end a year, say to everybody, hey, what, are there things you want us to talk about? And are there guests you want us to get? Or do you have any guests? Or do you want to be a guest? I love that. Oh, also, I want to tell the listeners that it was just your birthday. Ah. So we're saying happy birthday to Dr. Cohen. And I want to hear if you have a combined birthday, New Year resolution or something you're looking forward to. Rachel and I just did a word for the year. What's your word for the year? I chose, I forget hers now. Whoops, I need to double check. Um, Hers was something, (laughs) mine was confidence. Ah, personally and professionally just like if I feel like a gut instinct about something if I'm going to a social situation whatever it is just to be like straight ahead confident yeah um I don't have a word yet I I haven't thought about a word I need to do some homework about a word but um resolutions I want to keep I'm just thinking about it now so I'm just kind of coming up with some I want to stay healthy and get healthier Mm -hmm. um which is definitely a goal a big goal. Um, it's it's taking me a long time, but I want to write a book. I, I think I've talked mm-hmm. about it. I want to write a book on mentoring, um, specifically within medicine. So so that's that's a a project that I am kind of very slowly working on. I love that. I did not know that. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. What a yeah. good goal. Yeah. So I think that's it. Um, I just remembered Rachel's was magic, which I love. Yeah, it's such a good one. And I did this with um, some coworkers this week. We got one that was yes and another one that was love. Like, it's cool to see people's kind of all encompassing. Maybe we could even share a story to hear people's words. That's more of a fun one. Oh, I like that. Um, And I I do also want to ask anyone listening to please, if you like us, rate on Spotify, wherever you listen, give us the five star. If you don't like us, don't worry about leaving a rating. We don't need it. Right. Um, Follow us if you're regularly listening and then you'll get notified when there's a new episode. Uh, Those things really help and like full steam ahead for us. If we see that people are interested following rating. So we'd appreciate it. Um, And then, of course, we need to end with talking about what we're going to be listening to, consuming this week. You go first. I have a holiday list because I know I'm headed to the East Coast. It's going to be cold. I'll be inside. I'll be with Rachel's parents. I'm hoping to insert some of my Christmas movies in there and a Hanukkah one, but I haven't I haven't really seen a good Hanukkah movie. Otherwise, I'd put put that in here. I like Four Christmases a lot. I thought that was funny, and I hadn't seen it in a long time. It was... um. What's her name? Legally Blonde. Uh, you Reese, know, Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon and Vince Vaughn. The Family Stone, my brother hates. My sister and I love it. So I'd love to hear if people are on, which team are you on? Do you hate the Family Stone? Do you love the Family Stone? And then I always have to watch the Grinch, the Jim Carrey version. Wow, those are three movies I've not seen and have no desire to see, I hate to say. Yeah, don't see them if you don't want. I yeah. think- Although I would watch them, but... but um... I think you'd laugh. What about um, old classics? Any old classics? I'm not really, uh, I want to be into old classics. I've watched with my dad every year. He's really into A Christmas Story, of course. Mm-hmm. So I've watched that with him. And I can't say I like it. I just watch it because he likes it. And mm-hmm. I know that's his mm-hmm. tradition. I don't love that movie either. Great. I'm glad we're on the same page about that yeah. one. I thought everyone around his age must love it, but I don't. Yeah. Um, sorry, Dad. I will watch it yeah, with yeah. you. I think he listens, which makes me so happy. Yeah, um, cool. I, Dad, I will watch it with you anytime. And that's my commitment because yeah. that's the holidays. Nice. <laughs> but what? I don't love it. Yeah. What about um, Elf? 
I see. That's the other thing. Everyone loves Elf. I don't really love Elf. I think that's a hot take, and I know it. So I'm kind of scared to tell. And it's not my favorite movie either. But it was recently on, and and I don't remember where where I was, but I watched it, and I was like, "This is a fun, cute holiday movie." But it's not. But it's considered a classic, I think, at this point, which is odd. You know, Mm -hmm. it is now. Love actually also. That's what I was about to say. That circles around. That's, I think, you, my dad, that whole, I feel like he is like, that's a holiday movie and we're watching it every year. So my whole, my siblings and I all watch that every year. It's really like. like, Love actually? I do like it. I think that there's scenes in there that haven't aged well, I'll say. When you're watching it now, you're like, huh. You know, some of the like guys are saying stuff where you're like, maybe that would be like an HR thing now, you know, but it is really good. It's fun. The story is really entertaining. Lots of good little love stories in there. Like every year I'm happy to watch it again and I'm never bored. So I'll definitely watch that this year too. I think it's definitely a good one. But then, you know, I don't, I mean, they're, they're all the old classics that I grew up watching, but now I don't and, and I probably wouldn't, but there's like... It's a Wonderful Life, mm-hmm. uh, White Christmas, uh, you know, all of those old black and white movies that are really great. Have you seen It's a Wonderful Life? Yes, I have. And I should rewatch it. I forget. Yeah. I should watch some of those classics. I yeah, think I would actually enjoy those. It's pretty. It's a pretty great movie. It's a Wonderful Life. It really It's. A, it's a, I recently saw part of it. It was on uh, and it's a, it's a pretty great movie. You know what's a great holiday movie? Just getting back to Brett Ratner, I, th- I think it's a I think it's a holiday movie called The Family Man. Getting back to my friend Brett, that sounds familiar. It, it's with Nicholas Cage. I'm looking it up. Family and I, Man and Tia Leone. And oh, there's a film, and now there's a series, and it's a thriller series. So it's no, a thriller. No, it's the movie, The Family. Okay. And I think it's, hol- yeah, it is a holiday movie. Yeah. Diane Keaton's in it, so I'm committed to watching it now because I do yeah. really like her. Oh, no, that's The Family Stone. Whoops, no, no. that's my favorite holiday movie. No, The Family Man is... Uh, Family Man 2000. Leone and uh, um, Don Cheadle. Oh, I see. And oh, yeah. And it's really, a, it's a really cute... I, I recommend that movie. And that, okay. that's a fun movie to watch with dad. Okay. I'll, I'm sure, he, I promise you, he's seen every movie. We could have him in some special type of movie trivia. That'd be awesome. And it's a, oh, and Jeremy Piven, a young Jeremy Piven is in that movie too. I feel like you've brought up Jeremy Piven before. Oh, for sure. Uh-huh. Yeah, you like Jeremy Piven. Yeah, I'm a Jeremy Piven fan. Well, happy holidays from us at Gross Anatomy and a happy new year. And we can't wait to hear everyone's suggestions and interests. And we hope everyone has a wonderful, hopefully break, a holiday break from whatever you're doing. Yes. Take some time and and take care of yourselves. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Gross Anatomy. As a reminder, Gross Anatomy is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. 